this week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. CM Punk goes into business for himself and goes off script to shoot on Hangman Adam Page. Brian Gewertz shoots on the time he was brought up on charges in wrestler's court. Tony Schiavone takes on a new role backstage in AEW. And Karrion Cross and Scarlett shoot on their return to the WWE. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What up? What the fuck is up, wrestling fans, wrestling nerds? I am your boy, Seth Grimes. Back with another episode, episode 49. We are creeping up ever so close to that big 5-0. The big 5-0. It's a midlife crisis of podcasts. And I'll be having that midlife crisis with you next week. I don't know if I'm going to do anything special for it or not yet. What do you guys think? Should I do anything fancy for the 50th episode? Maybe I'll save that for like a 100th episode or something like that. Motivation to keep going. We're about a year away from that. Obviously, it'll be summer of next year. Should I keep doing this podcast every day for you guys, every week for you guys, every month for you guys? Whenever the fuck I do it, I don't know. Sometimes I take days off. Sometimes you got to take days off. You got to relax. You got to kick your feet up. No kicking my feet up this week, though. We got a lot of shit to get into. Before I do, just super quick plugs. If you could like, follow, and subscribe at Seth Grimes Media. That's going to be on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. You could also hit the little subscribe ski button down there somewhere. It's red, says subscribe on it. Can't miss it. Click that to stay uh, in up to date with all the shit that I'm putting out. I'm putting out a lot of shit. Leaning into the reaction videos, did a couple reviews recently, doing, you know, reviewing like the Disney Plus MCU shows. A lot of shit going up, so uh, I hope you're perusing and having fun with that. I did a tournament not that long ago, breaking down the top whatever podcast, 32, narrowed it down to one. So a lot of fun shit in the back catalog, but enough about all of that. Let's dive into the news this week. And oh boy, was it a crazy week. Very drama heavy. As CM Punk goes into business for himself in a shoot promo. Shooting on the hangman, Adam Page. Calling him out. Of course, hangman not prepared to go out to the ring. And if you watch BTE, you know hangman is always gear ready. Always in gear, full gear, ready to go. But he was not ready to walk out to the ring as that was unscripted, not part of the plans. Then Punk proceeded to call Hangman a coward for not coming out and accepting his challenge that wasn't in the script. Now, there's two ways to look at this. Um, But before I get into those details, let's take a look at this clip here from Brian Alvarez, where he kind of goes over the meat and potatoes of this, and then we got a little bit more on the other side for you. 
The AEW Dynamite show opened up with CM Punk coming out, and he decided he was going to cut a promo on Hangman Page. And it was not a planned comment. It was not part of any storyline. It was uh, it was CM Punk uh, demanding an apology from Hangman Page. Of course, this was not in the script, so Hangman didn't come out. And then hey, and then Punk just stands up and he calls him a coward. So this is all. It has nothing to do with storyline. It has nothing to do with anything. And he went into business for himself. And you know, he made Hangman. Uh, look, I mean, the hangman's supposed to be the baby face here, and he made your baby face look like a coward. So anyway, uh, believe me, there were plenty of people backstage furious at uh, CM Punk. That was Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer and Figure Four Online giving us the breakdown, the little scoopski as it sits. Uh, you know, we've learned that Punk has been verbally expressing his dislike for certain things backstage. And uh, somewhere, somebody commented to Fightful. And of course, this becomes gospel and fact that uh, Punk was so upset, so uh, disproving of everything in, in AEW that they were surprised that he didn't just walk out or quit or not return, uh, says some guy backstage, the janitor perhaps, who knows. Um, <clears throat> Booker T had his thoughts on this. Everybody had their thoughts on this. I'm frankly the last one on planet Earth to be giving my thoughts on video here. <laughs> Um, but Booker T had his thoughts on it from a perspective of working with CM Punk, being in a locker room with CM Punk. And as we know, Booker T has not always been the biggest supporter of CM Punk or AEW. Check out what Booker had to say. I haven't heard Punk say this, but he was threatening not showing up. Some people are saying he was levying threats about leaving AEW. I mean, these, these are actual, Bro, look, I'm not surprised, man. I'm not surprised. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, I've been in the locker room with them. You know, you talk about backstage. Hey. Um, we're going to see how this thing play out um, at the end of the day. But the, the, the one person um, um, who's going to have to really take the reins in this situation is Tony Khan. You know, seriously, it's Tony Khan because this, um, this, this gives a, a certain uh, perception um, as far as, there again, certain guys coming in, certain treatment, and certain guys um, that's been there in certain treatment. And that's what a riff going to come at, just like it did with WCW. So Booker T, who has worked with the man side by side, I believe he even worked with him. He did that backstage, uh, WWE backstage, the Fox thing, the Fox gimmick, where they had uh, CM Punk returned there briefly with Renee Paquette. They did the little talk show gimmick. That was uh, Booker T worked with Punk there, too. And Punk uh, has a bit of a reputation in the business. Now, here's the deal. Um, I'm of the opinion that this could be two things. And we'll cover the first thing, and then we'll go into the second thing. Uh, it's either uh, Punk is a huge egomaniac that needs to be taken out by the knees, or this is a giant work. A work people it could be a work everything's a work right it's a goddamn work um but okay so let's play this out let's see so uh 
CM Punk has a bit of a reputation in the wrestling business for being kind of a dick, right? And kind of opinionated and bitchy and complainy and willing to take his ball and go home if things don't go his way. Now, uh, coming from Ring of Honor, he cried when he left Ring of Honor. He cried in the ring and said, you know, he didn't want to leave. It was the best job he ever had. He was happy there. You know, he was doing a lot of the backstage stuff. He was training guys, all of that. You know, he was a big part of Ring of Honor at the time that he left. So when he got to the WWE and then he started, we started hearing these things about Punk. This is what built Punk's megastardom. This is what built the fandom of, of maniacs that surround CM Punk. And look, I'll fucking, I'm at the top of that list, man. Sign me up. I am a Punk Mark. I am a Marky Mark of CM Punk. Uh, he's my guy. I went to Chicago for the first dance that I, I like to bring that up a lot because I was there and uh, it was just the greatest wrestling moment of my entire life. It probably would have been had I just seen it on TV because I honestly, I didn't think we'd see CM Punk come back, at least not in that capacity, right? And then um, I got, I even went out of my way and they uh, sell a, uh, it's for pre-sale, but they got an action figure of CM Punk from the first dance. It's a ringside collectibles exclusive. Just boosting my chair. My chair's low today. It's a low rider. I'm like sitting down, barely eye level with the camera. Okay, so anyway. Uh, so I'm a huge CM Punk mark. I spent like too much on that action figure, you know, um, but I had to have it because it came with a little ice cream bar and Punk was my hero because I've always been anti-authority. I've always been pro-freedom. Don't tell me what the fuck to do. You know what I, you know, it's, it's very simple. You know, I'm very much that punk rock energy you know that rebellious that that um mindset and punk was my hero for that because punk stood against the system he raged against the machine if you will right he was the guy that was outspoken against the bullshit that we all knew was going on in wwe and for that nobody i mean there were people within wwe or around punk uh, Booker T has, you know, is one, like he said, he wasn't surprised. He's been around the guy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that just think he's a self-righteous dick, an opinionated fuck, an asshole, a complainer. Um, but, you know, I think most of us saw it, especially, and that's why I brought up the Ring of Honor, how he cried that he left and he loved that job, is that Punk hadn't really shown that he's just a douchebag as much as he's shown that he is a rebel against the system right? He was there to be a thorn in the side of Vince McMahon until there was change. You know, there's that famous promo, not the pipe bomb, that was obviously one of the most famous promos in history, uh, which led to a lot of this, but even the one that he did with McMahon in the ring where he had this list of demands, and he, that's where the ice cream bar came from and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the apologize. Uh <clears throat> All of this came across, like, even though there were people backstage that put it on Punk as just being a douche, there was, for the most part, this was recognized as being a rebel against the system. You know, he's fighting the machine. 
in that he stood his ground in that when he walked out of the WWE, it was for a cause. It was in protest. It was it was the rebelliousness, right? It was fuck you for a reason. It wasn't just fuck you to fuck you. You know what I mean? He wasn't being a selfish dick. He was proving a point. You know, I'm going to walk away from this because you guys are all fucked. And we all supported Punk for that. You know, and there was people that didn't. But for the most part, the general consensus was that Punk was the anti-hero hero that we all loved, you know. And uh, we missed him when he was gone. And then over the course of the seven years he was gone, the internet went insane. And then, uh, you know, now everybody's got a contrarian opinion, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, Punk was gone. He was not coming back until AEW came around and they started courting Punk. And even then, he had to kind of see how the things went with AEW and hear what people were saying backstage. And when he came in, he was happy as all fuck. And he always says it in every interview. I'm just happy. I'm happy. I'm happy here. This is what wrestling's supposed to be. This is what we needed. And, uh, you know, everything's all flowers over in AEW. And now, all of a sudden, we're hearing otherwise, right? Now we're starting to hear that Punk's becoming a squeaky wheel again backstage. Now, where is all this coming from? Is it now, uh, you know, there's a couple couple ways you can look at this. Like I said, number one uh, is, is that Punk's just a douchebag. And we're starting to see what other wrestlers are even saying, what a Booker T said, and others have said it as well, um, that... Punk's a bit of an egomaniac, and he's selfish, and he's just a smug douche, and that, you know, when things don't go his way or something that he doesn't like, he's, you know, quick to complain or bitch out loud or make an ass out of himself or make a big scene or just flat out take his ball and go home and be vocal and bitchy about it. You know, in WWE, when we knew that that machine was was a crooked machine you know we all knew vince mcmahon we all knew how he did business and we all that's why we kind of took Punk's side for the most part i don't say we isn't everybody i'm sure there's people watching that always thought he was a douchebag but for the most part everybody's like yeah yeah get him punk but now that we're starting to see it is it uh, we're starting to see it again is it wwe is it aew or is it that punk's just a Fuck face, right? Is Punk just being a smug prick fuck here? Or is there something wrong with the structure of AEW that's causing him to complain? Now, Hangman Page brought this up in his promo. He cut, you know, he's saving the locker room from CM Punk. What was going on there? I questioned that. When I watched that promo, I was like, wait, wait. Where Where is that coming from? This was a while ago now. So why is Punk just now all of a sudden trying to get his receipt? Why wouldn't he have gotten his receipt the next week on, you know, when he did his next promo on Hangman? Or right then and there, I think he was, that was a face-to-face -face promo. Or in the ring, why didn't he just punch him extra hard? Throw him, give him a couple potatoes to show him what's up, you know what I mean? Talking shit about me, huh? Ha! Um... <laughs> But overall, like, why did Punk hang on to this for a couple months and it's just all of a sudden randomly coming out? And why is it coming out this way? Is Punk that goddamn unprofessional that 
he's going to just take the time on the microphone to throw out a challenge to one of the company's biggest baby faces, then call him a coward for not coming out when the dude wasn't even scripted to come out and just completely bury the guy and go into business for himself. Did that actually happen? If that did, Punk is a goddamn cancer. Flat out. If that's a real thing that happened, and this isn't to work in any way, shape, or form, it's not part of any greater plan, then Punk is an absolute douchebag. And he had us all fooled, or at least had me fooled, and I'll put my name up there because I am a huge Punk mark. And it's because he's that rebel. He's that, that, that guy who puts his foot down against the machine when others won't, you know? He's the guy fighting for the ice cream bars. And in, in the voice of the voiceless, right? There's a fucking, he had a whole gimmick around it. I liked that about Punk. That's why he's my guy. But if he's just the guy that's going to complain about everything backstage and threaten to quit and stuff, and he's going to be tearing everybody apart, then he needs to get checked right away if this is true, if this is real. Tony Khan needs to put his foot down like he's never put his fucking foot down before. And I don't care if it's CM Punk. And I don't care who hears it or who knows it. I would chew his ass. Maybe in private. Take him you know, into a meeting. Maybe don't yell at the guy. But you need to make it clear in no uncertain terms that this will never be tolerated again. And that you're probably going to take the title away from the guy and make him, you know. Matter of fact, I, I would make him drop it to fucking Hangman Page to prove a point, you know. Um, but that's just me. And that's just if this is real. Because you can't have that in your locker room. Punk is a veteran. Punk is somebody that people look up to and if he's going to be starting to stir the shit and he's going to be starting to you know make tony look bad and walk all over tony and go into business for himself he's going to make that okay for other people to do as well so that's a huge problem also you just don't do that where is your respect for your other wrestlers your locker room your fucking, your boss, your promotion. When you go into business like that for yourself, you are, you have no respect for anybody else around you. It is all about me, 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 right? You're not respecting Hangman. And even if you don't like Hangman, you have to respect that this dude has a career, that he's the company's, one of the company's top baby faces. And you need to respect your company that you're working for and your TV time, that this wasn't what it was was planned. And if you want to throw in a little sly remark, you know, because Hangman did go out uh, recently online and say he doesn't really listen to veterans because he doesn't have to, that's a heel-ass fucking thing to say, and that would get under the skin of many veterans. You always listen. You always listen. What the fuck is your problem? Even if you don't take it to heart, you, you give them the respect that they deserve for paving the path that you're fucking walking on, douchebag. Um, so there's that, too. And maybe that's what refreshed all of this and set Punk off and, and why he chose now to go off. But if you want to, like, address that, do it either backstage or even on Twitter if you want to get, you know, reply to that comment, retweet that comment, and you can do it there. Um, or if you really need to do it in a promo, throw out a little jab, throw out a little sly remark, you know, address, you know, yeah, nobody listens to the veterans anymore, right, Hangman? Uh, you know, a little something like that to, to clap back, fine. When you call the babyface out for a rematch for the title right here and now, and then call him a coward because he doesn't come out and none of it was scripted, you're a douchebag 
And if you're not, if you're anybody but lower than Punk, if you're not a main event level talent, you probably get fired for that. And Punk, I don't, you know, I wouldn't fire the guy, but I would make an example of him right quick. And then if he wants to quit and if he wants to leave, take his ball and go home, fine. Because we don't need that bullshit cancer around anyway. We will figure out another way to be a mainstream level company with mainstream level stars and reach the mainstream level fan base without CM Punk's drama and bullshit backstage. And that's, you have to make that example. You cannot sacrifice your whole entire locker room for the sake of one guy, even if it is CM Punk. Even if he is, you know, even if you're a big fanboy of him like I am, you know, and you're just marking out to have him there, you got you, you got to look around. You got a whole other locker room that works for you. You don't cater it to one guy. You cater it to the team. You keep, you know, Tony Khan's always been, you know, and this is something that's been said about him multiple times, that because he comes from that sports background, that he treats AEW like a sports brand, and he treats his talent like a team. Not like a roster of fucking wrestlers and independent talents, but they're a team. They're all a team together. And if somebody's not playing for the team and they're playing for themselves, they need to be cut no matter who it is. So he needs to either, you know, be put in check, calm the fuck down and set straight right quick if he's going to stick around or he needs to be shown the door. And that's just the facts if this is true. Even if Hangman's, you know, Hangman did, uh, you know, if the rumors are true, Hangman did arguably go into business for himself, you know, in his promo with Punk uh, when they were feuding. And then, uh, you know, just his tweet about not listening to the veterans, all that shit's kind of douchey. But I think, you know, if all of this is to be taken as truth, then Punk went about this in the biggest dumbest douchebaggiest way possible and at this point when you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars every year to work like two days a week if that and like you're doing what you loved or what you claim that you loved anyway growing up um and it certainly you know has the freedom that wwe didn't you know you can create your own storylines you can dictate your own path to a certain extent what there's no reason to be mad about anything what are you so pissed off about what's your fucking problem bro why is there any drama backstage in AEW? We're hearing about all this shit. And Tony, uh, Tony's rectified the situation. We'll get into it a little bit later. You know, he's put some new people in place to help him out with some key roles backstage. Um, but just kind of put a bow on the on the punk thing. If it's a shoot, then punk's an absolute piece of shit for this. And it's way the wrong thing to be doing. A horrible example and i just can't imagine a guy at his age has that small of a penis ego problem that he needs to flex like that you know when he's in a veteran position he's 40 years old 40 some years old like get over yourself bro it's time to stop and he even you know he said all the right things when he came in you know he's happy there it's a team he's there to help out the young guys you know it's not about him anymore he wants to in in you know led by example by working with a lot of the young guys and helping build a lot of them up and giving them matches with CM Punk and and putting some guys over even MJF like Punk's been very selfless so far now all of a sudden he's selfish punk monster 
which leads me to my second theory here, and that all of this is a giant fucking work. Now, I've been on record as saying that the MJF thing is a huge work. I'm sure it started as a shoot. I'm sure MJF had his problems, and I'm sure that he voiced them to Tony, and it probably even got heated. Um, but, you know, there was word that right before MJF left, there was a meeting between MJF and Tony, and then MJF, you know, cut his, his, his pipe bomb promo and then disappeared off of TV. I think all of that was uh, part of the plan. Yeah, I don't think, you, you know, we, Tony has control over what goes out on TV. He can shut off a microphone, just like CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. Or like they did at the end of MJF's when he when he uh, called Tony a fucking mark, you know, like that one was obvious. Like Tony Tony could have cut MJF's mic a long time ago. So it's obvious. And then Punk came down to be like, "What's going on, bro? What are you doing?" And MJF hopped the rail. All that it's clearly a work. And now we're hearing rumors that MJF is coming back. So when everybody's complaining about the bullshit booking of. Uh, you know, you see online, it's funny, everybody's playing right into it. Why, why are they wasting CM Punk and John Moxley on live TV? You know, what the fuck are they doing? They got all all around, right around the corner. Because MJF's coming back, that's why. Because MJF is going to come back and he's going to feud with CM Punk, re renew their little feud ski, and he's going to take back, the t or he's going to take the title from Punk. He's going to get his win back. He's going to take the title, and it's going to happen at All Out. And they can't do it after All Out because now then now you got, what, three months before the next pay-per-view. And you don't give MJF the title on Dynamite. You give it to him on a pay-per-view. So that's what they're doing. And I'll grant you, Punk versus Moxley is a giant match in his pay-per-view pay level. You know, so you could definitely make the argument to do that at All Out and then do MJF and Punk. But you're going to be stretching it out for months and months and months and either be forced to do it on TV or just really string it out for a long time or hold it off. But you want to bring, we got sweeps coming up, right? We're coming into the fall season. They're going to want to spice the ratings up again. Negotiations are going to start for the next TV deal. All of this shit, it's keyed up perfect to have the biggest feud happening now and the biggest run happening now. And, you know, when MJF comes back and he wins the title and he's given a live microphone, TV's going to be gold, man. And he's going to pop the business for AEW, and I hope he gets a nice big fat paycheck for it. So that's what's going on there. But what doesn't fit into that picture? Hangman Page. Unless... Moxley went, beats Punk and then it becomes Moxley MJF and then Punk goes on to face the Hangman at All Out. That's certainly a, a possibility too because now we got heat, right? Now we got the internet buzzing. Now we're in a position where Hangman uh, versus Punk is a match that we want to see again and we want to see some promos and we want to see some real life shots being thrown. We want to see where this goes. The purpose of the MJF rant was all of that to say is that uh, I believe it to be a work. So I, Tony Khan has already proven that I think he's willing to work the boys, quote unquote, the, work the locker room for the purpose of storyline because they leak shit. And, and you know, they've we've all heard that they were really quiet, quiet and secretive and respectful for uh, Brody Lee when he was sick. But that was a man who was sick in real life. 
You know, that's not the same as, oh, yeah, the MJF thing's just a work, or, yeah, Punk and Hangman, that's just a work, you know? Like, nobody's going to feel bad or lose sleep at night for letting that slip to Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful or fucking something like that, right? So, uh, Tony Khan's going to keep that close to the vest, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've seen people say, you know, you don't work the boys or whatever, you you work the boys because we're in an internet era where everything leaks. So if you really want to do huge business and really stir up the internet and the speculation, like look at this MJF situation. People don't know for sure if it's real. I'm only speculating. Nobody's ever reported on saying, yeah, yeah, it's all a work. We have, you know, inside source that says it's all bullshit. You don't have that. And we don't have that with punk either. And, you know, punk is... I think, you know, he's part of that MJF story. He came down, you know, when MJF cut his promo. Remember, Punk was limping down to the ring. Like, what the fuck, bro? Um, I think Punk has proven that he likes to do his storylines in a bit of kayfabe, right? Like, he likes to uh, put that, inject that realism, you know? And everybody thinks that Punk's a locker room cancer or a fucking politician or just a complainer or a douchebag at the, at the least why not lean into that and start something the only thing that i you know goes against that is just why hangman you know if everything seems to be leading to first moxley and then mjf for punk what's the point of even bringing hangman into it at this point you know uh unless they're gonna work together and it's you know that's the only reason that you would do a worked shoot like this so, but I don't want to rule it out as a possibility, but, you know, just to kind of put a bow on this, I, you know, I, I do take everything with a grain of salt because I do think AEW and especially Tony Khan and CM Punk are, are absolutely willing to lean into kayfaving the boys and working shoots and making things look real or look at look bigger than they actually are. Uh, I think Tony's smart enough and a big enough fan to know that those kind of angles are hot, especially if you can get the internet buzzing and get people believing it. But at the same time, like, why? Uh, if MJF's coming back, if he's going to feud with Punk, there's really no reason to stir shit up with Hangman. So in, if the case is that this is a shoot, Punk is... Punk's being a piece of shit right now, and that hurts to say as one of his biggest fanboys... Just waiting for that fucking expensive ass action figure with its ice cream bar to come in the mail. And I don't want to have to, uh, you know, sell it in a garage sale because Punk let me down by being a douchebag. But so it hurts to say, but that's certainly a possibility. And we're going to monitor this and keep an eye on it. But I had to throw in my two cents. And uh, that's just where we're at with this thing. We'll see how it plays out. Brian Gewertz, the former seventh most powerful man in WWE, according to him, has been making the interview rounds. He's got a book that he's promoting. I have not had a chance to check out the book. It's called There's Just One Problem. And uh, the subtitle, I think, is Stories from the Seventh Most Former Seventh Most Powerful Guy in Professional Wrestling or in WWE. Uh, by all accounts, it's getting really good reviews already. I'm probably going to scoop it up on Audible, and when I do, I'm going to do a review of it for you guys. 
Um, but he's got a book out kind of talking about his time as the head writer or one of the head writers in WWE. And this was, at, you know, right after Vince Russo left, Brian Gortz, I think, came in and kind of filled the, you know, that initial team that was put in place after Russo left. So he's been around a long, long time. Now he works for The Rock. And, and, you know, he's kind of the right-hand man for anything with The Rock. He gets a movie role or a TV part or even a fucking walk-on role on Saturday Night Live. Brian Gewertz is, is helping write his scripts for everything or looking over his scripts and finding ways to reword it to sound more rock-like. So that's a pretty good gig for him. Pretty good gig. Pretty good gig. But Gwertz has been making uh, lots of interview rounds. He's been all over the place. Really, you know, I could have picked any handful of interviews that he's done to do this clip from. But I felt like he went into a little bit more detail about the whole wrestler's court thing. That's what really had me intrigued. Um, as I understand it, he starts his book with that story. So I'm excited to, you know, get the full inside dirt on that but he touched on it uh, i was going to actually use the clip that he did on renee paquette's podcast but then when he was on talk is jericho he kind of went into more detail about that check out this clip from that episode and then i'll catch you on the back end if you violate a locker room rule you get taken to wrestler's court and i was i think the first writer who ever allegedly violated a rule backstage and the rule that I violated, you know, to get into was like edge knowing that I liked the flash. He gave me a flash action figure. Bob Holly saw him giving me the flash action. Oh no. It's like the, the last person you want to see on the surface level. It's very, you know, light and funny. Like he got a doll, huh? But the subtext is actually kind of serious like the subtext that but you know bob wasn't being used on tv as much and edge and christian were all over the place and here's the head writer you know getting a toy from one of the guys who's you know being featured it was really more about you know all the locker room violations i had violated without knowing it right because you just don't know yeah there's no there's no there's no handbook of rules to tell you how to act backstage Exactly. Taker did find us guilty, which was kind of a foregone conclusion. Right. Brian Gewertz. I like hearing these stories from the inside. That's why I'm so excited to get my hands on this book and, and check it out because I love these backstage stories from, I mean, I, can, I literally cannot get enough of anything backstage. Uh, it's just, it, it's endlessly fascinating to me, you know, like wrestling to me is as much the industry and the backstage shit and the characters and the politics and the personalities and the things that happen behind the scenes that go into the TV product more than it is even the TV product for me. You know, wrestling is great to watch and fun to watch. And there's a lot of people that do that. They like wrestling for the show and they don't listen to all the podcasts or read the news sites or anything like that. I love all the dirt. I love the backstage shit. 
And, and, you know, that's why I love all these, you know, these documentaries on the WWE Network and the A&E biographies and the dark side of the rings. And then these books, these tell-all books from the people that were there and they lived it and you hear these stories and they're just fantastic. And Brian Gewertz is such a wealth of knowledge for this sort of thing. He was around for so long, worked so closely with Vince and the talent. You know, as a writer, that's a, as one of the head writers, that's a key position. You know, when you're working with the wrestlers, helping them write their scripts and come up with their promos and just figuring out their character and, the, you know, doing their angles and their backstage stuff or whatever. And then just having to work so closely with Vince, too, on the creative side and, and Vince shutting down his ideas and just any kind of Vinceism. Vince is a fascinating person, you know. He always, like, uh, something to wrestle always talks about. Bruce always talks about. Conrad will say it, too. Like, you know, he always asks for a Vince McMahon episode. Well, every episode's a Vince McMahon episode because you always get that little bit of insight on, you know, how Vince reacted to this or did that. And I think that's another reason why I like all these uh, insider things is Vince is just such a fascinating person. And to hear these stories about people that were working close with him and just the way that he talks about things and says things and the way that his mind works, like it's all just all great shit. I wish I would have I mean, there's literally zero time to be able to just shove that whole book in and be able to give you any kind of comment on it here now. But uh Gwartz is making those rounds and doing all those interviews. I highly recommend just jumping in and listening to any of those if you haven't. Take your pick. You know, if you listen to the wrestling podcast, I guarantee you've seen Brian Gwartz's name pop up within the last week or two. And uh, if you haven't listened to any of those, or you're not sure who he is or if it'll be entertaining, you go out of your way to listen to him because it is entertaining too. He's a writer, a uh, writer for The Rock for that matter. So he's, he's a smart guy, a sharp guy. He gets it. He's thoughtful. He's funny. Um, you know, he's, he's a great guy to listen to those stories from, and especially, you know, just this whole wrestler's court experience. You know, about how, how seriously they take it too. You know, because he he said, you know, I thought this was whole thing was uh, just kind of a joke and stuff, and I was trying to be funny, and it wasn't funny. <laughs> they took it very seriously, even though that they were all, you know. It is a joke. It's a kind of a way to uh, relax when you're on the road, relieve some stress, you know, and uh, just kind of kind of a way to entertain the boys in a lot of ways. But you know, there were serious charges against him too. You know, it's 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 bigger than the action figure. It's are you taking bribes to put give more TV time to talent? You know, that's a serious accusation. And especially coming from Bob Hawley. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> if I was a wrestler in that era or just working for the company in, in any capacity, the, the last two people I want on my bad side are going to be JBL and Bob Hawley, right? You don't want those fucking two guys on your case. Maybe a Chris Benoit. You know, an Undertaker, like, he's somebody who carries the weight and the sternness, but he's not a bully. He doesn't have the reputation of being an asshole to people or anything like that, you know. So I would deeply not want to upset him as well, but for different reasons, for respect purposes. But a JBL, fucking, 
uh, uh, Bob Holly, those people are going to make your life a living hell if they don't like you or you rub them the wrong way. So, Wrestler's Court, man, super interesting, very fascinating. Um, just the whole process and just, uh, man, I'd love to hear more stories about uh, other instances of Wrestler's Court. But uh, I'm excited to dive into this book. I'm excited to hear more from Brian Gewertz. Go out of your way to listen to some of it, any of it. And uh, I will follow up with a, a separate video doing a, a review of the book once I've had a chance to dive into it. Tony Schiavone, wrestling's dad, has taken on more responsibility backstage in AEW. This came out as a press release a couple weeks ago that Tony Schiavone, along with a few others, got promotions within the business or within the backstage of AEW. Uh, this was when Madison Rain was brought in as a coach for the women as well. Sanjay Dutt got a little bit of a push ski. Pat Buck got a promotion. A couple others uh, that I'm missing off the QT got a promotion, I believe. And all of these people were promoted to roles to essentially assist Tony Khan with a lot of the backstage shit that seems to be causing the problems that we keep hearing about in AEW. We touched on this last week and some of these problems that are starting to leak out, some of the cracks that are starting to show in the foundation of AEW. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen. It's a new company. They're, they're not, we tend to want to look at them like WWE and compare them to WWE because obviously, you know, they're both massive touring arena show wrestling with main event stars on national TV, but they also are not a company that's been around for 60, 70 years. So, um, it's bound to happen and check out this clip here with Tony Schiavone talking about going into more depth about why he got his role backstage and, and some of the things that he'll be doing. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Well, uh, we want to talk a, a few minutes about what is going on uh, behind the scenes here in AEW, uh, because I'm, I'm very honored to have, uh, been promoted, uh, by yes. Tony Khan. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a crew of us that have been promoted. It's uh, QT Marshall, Sanjay Dutt, Pat Buck, and myself. Uh, have been promoted within the, the confines of what's going on. And it's it, it's a very important thing on many levels. I, I think, number one, you have to realize, and, and I think a lot of times people don't realize this, that we're still a very young company. Mm -hmm. uh, we're finding our way. Tony Khan has been so successful, as we know, uh, with his uh, ventures into Fulham mm -hmm. uh, and uh, sports analytics, and of course with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but running a wrestling company is, is basically new to him. Very, very new. And I mean, if we look at competitors, which, you know, don't necessarily want to bring up, but like they've got like a 40 year head start on us. And, and one of the things that I'm involved with now, and I like it, I really do. I find it very stressful at times. And that is working uh, in talent relations mm -hmm. because I really think that is important to any, any type of business is to be able to treat your athletes with respect and with their concerns and try to intervene when there is a problem. And as we know, in any sports team, there's problems. I'm not, I'm not in this for the ego, but I do think that I can say this about myself, that I know how to treat people. And, and I, and I think, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that, uh, that I was put in this position. 
So at first when I had heard that Tony Schiavone was going to be taking on more of a like talent relations role, that scared me a little bit because it's uh, traditionally thought of as a thankless job and the job where uh, that kind of gets all the heat from the boys, right? Because these are the people that are going to be fining you and firing you and passing down just bad news and and. You know, a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the heat gets dumped on top of the talent relations guys. And Tony's such a well liked guy; he's got such a good relationship with everybody. It seems like anyway that I'd really hate to see Tony Schiavone start to be the guy that people start to hate or like. Oh no, there's Schiavone. You got to walk the other way down the hall or watch what you're saying around Schiavone. He's a stooge, you know. I don't want that. Um, but it seems like he sought this out for himself. Uh, I think, honestly, I think he was kind of the way that he was talking on the podcast here. I think he was kind of uh, jockeying for that open EVP spot that Cody Rhodes left open. Because the way that he said it, that he pitched it as he talked to Tony and he wanted to... Uh, uh, he's like, you know, hey, I got a good relationship with Cody. Or, I mean, with, uh, with Kenny and the Bucks. I know that they're EVPs and they're also wrestlers, and I'd like to work more closely with them and help out in any way I can. That's how he pitched it to Tony, which is AKA, hey, I want to be an EVP too. I mean, I clearly there's an open spot, and I want to work closely with the EVPs. Duh. Um, which wouldn't be a bad gig. I'm not even knocking that. I, I, I would respect Tony Schiavone in that role. Um, but he sought this out. He thought that he had something to give to it, being that he has that good relationship with everybody, I hope that that doesn't change now that he's not the talent relations guy either. I don't know that he's going to be the guy like firing people or passing along the bad news or anything. He's just kind of a, a in a liaison position. I think maybe he's there to kind of smooth things out or or talk with people and get a better feel for where people are at with things or just kind of be an intermediary to help explain things, pass things along. You know, he's often like a go-to guy that's like, or a gopher guy, I should say, you know, hey, can you go tell this guy that? Can you do this? Blah, 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 blah. You know, apparently Tony's been doing this kind of stuff for a while. He's a huge part of that backstage. So now this is just kind of making it official. Um, but, but Shivani said that Tony Khan called a meeting and this was after, really shortly after the internet was a buzz about, you know, the cracks in the foundation of AEW, people getting frustrated backstage, unhappiness backstage, um, you know, and people getting released saying that they don't really get talked to or communicated with. These are all problems, and, and this kind of leaked out with the Jonathan Gresham thing, you know. He was like the third person to say that, that there's, he doesn't get the proper communication from Tony Khan. So, again, it's a new company. These kind of things are bound to happen. But it's it's just, you know, you don't want to hear, you know, we've always heard for the first couple of years that, you know, it's all friends wrestling. It's the happiest place on earth. And now you're hearing all these people are getting crabby. Hopefully Tony Schiavone, you know, uh, like I was saying, Tony Khan called a meeting and he invited all these people that he gave the promotions to and basically said, here are where I need help. Here are the, the holes that I need filling in this game of running a wrestling promotion. And here's how I think you guys can help me. And they all basically accepted. So that's where we're at. I do expect to see that make a difference. I think that, you know, 
if Tony was smart enough to see where he was lacking and doesn't, because sometimes people can just have an ego about it. Oh, I can handle everything. If you don't like the way I do it, fuck you. If he was competent enough to listen and to hear the complaints and be seeing his weaknesses as a boss, as a promoter, as running a wrestling company of that size, and he's able to find those holes in his game and he's able to fill them with these players then i mean more power to him that's just smart business and that's gonna happen in a new company it's brand new you cannot expect them to be as well oiled of a machine as wwe three years into their company and and this is how you fix that is while you're running while the machine's running you can see that that uh you know this part needs an extra screw or an extra bolt or we got to you know, maybe add this piece on or something like as you go, you're going to see where you can tighten up your game. And as long as you're self-aware enough and you can set your ego aside and eat a shit sandwich once in a while, as Vince likes to say, and recognize that, hey, this is what I can do to make this company better. And I'm going to bring these guys in to help me out. Fuck, that's great. If, if they're able to, and I, I hope that they can. I think this will be a good little boost for morale backstage in AEW. But we keep hearing about it, and, you know, I'm not convinced that some of it's not uh, a work, and but some of it is absolutely reality-based, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how things play out going forward, what we keep hearing behind the scenes. But I think with these people in place, and especially Tony Schiavone, wrestling's dad i think aew's in a better position to move forward i hate juggalos i fucking hate them i say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life i proudly identified as a juggalo you should come to the gathering with me nah man i'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore i'll pay for your ticket i got fired today get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. Karrion Cross and Scarlet were on the After the Bell podcast with Corey Graves and Vic Joseph this week, talking about their big return to the WWE. What a fantastic return it was. What a good call it was by Triple H. One of the first, you know, along with Bailey and a couple others, Dakota Kai, that kind of stuff, uh, of Triple H really putting his mark on the company, his stamp into the talent roster, and really bringing a lot of those people that he was building NXT around, that he saw in NXT, build, building, bringing them back to his WWE, to build WWE in his image now that he's in control in control of the creative and everything and uh carrying cross is a key player for that him and scarlet especially not the carrying cross that vince had where he'd fucking 
dressed him up in the helmet and shit. I'm talking about the scarlet, the entrance, the fucking hourglass, all of that shit. This was absolutely made for main roster WWE, and I'm glad that he's back. And he's glad that he's back, too, and she's glad that she's back, too, and everybody's happy. Check out this clip. Oh, my God. It was awesome. It was just awesome. And just to see everybody again, too, was a really good feeling. It was just the easiest decision, too, because we had talked about, uh, what if we get this opportunity? What if we do this? This is how we're going to do things. We're going to stick to it. You know, we, we have to do things on our terms. So it's funny when Hunter called us, um, he was the best boss we ever had. Like, so it was a complete no-brainer. Um, it was just like, no other company has ever compared to it. So we, we trust him. We definitely trust him with, uh, with our characters, with our storylines. So it's just, it's absolutely perfect. And I just think that any independent wrestler, like, if you want to make money and be happy, like, this is going to be the place you want to be. Like, I, I have absolutely no doubts in my mind that WWE's it. And it's interesting that Scarlett went into a little bit extra on saying that WWE is the place if you're, you know, I'm speaking to all these indie people. If you want to make money and be happy, you need to be at WWE. You know, she's really kind of sucking Triple H's cockski a little bit there, really putting him over. You know, he's always there for us and whatever and blah, blah, blah. Um... Hey, you know, more power to them. You know, they got a good relationship with Trips. Trips clearly sees the value in them and has high hopes for them on the main roster level as main roster talents. Uh, I agree with that 100%. And I agree with Triple H's vision in general. I always thought NXT was great, you know. Um, I, I do think, you know, it's not going to be perfect, you know, if it, NXT wasn't always, like, amazing, but it was pretty top-notch. It was an excellent wrestling show. You know, it had very few holes in its game. Game. So I think, you know, even though WWE is a bigger corporate machine and they have to cater to a wider audience and they have to kind of change things and dumb things down a little bit, I think that the moves that Triple H is making are overall going to be a huge benefit for the company. And that's something we talked about last week, too, and that the Internet's been talking about, is that, you know, AEW existed as a good alternative to WWE because Vince was a goddamn tyrant and an asshole, you know, and a... He was so difficult to work for, and he got a hair up his ass about so many little things that, like, he and he just wouldn't either wouldn't see it in some of these amazing talents, or they just couldn't work with him. You know, they couldn't fit into that WWE structure, and they were ultimately, you know, unhappy and left the company. And that's where they found solace in AEW. Now that Triple H and Stephanie and Nick Connor are in charge, that's not going to be the case. And that's something that AEW is going to have to compete with. And I think Scarlett, you know, kind of almost, she almost made it sound like maybe she got an offer from AEW. We know also from last week's episode where uh, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was talking about his promotion that he was going to start. In that he had Karrion Cross, uh, Killer Cross, and Scarlet as his top act. He was going to be their champion. So maybe she was just talking about that. But when she's talking about we've had offers from other companies and some of them seemed great, were big money hour, uh, offers. We didn't 
feel like it was, you know, it was would have been good for the short term, but not the long term. And then she says, you know, if you're an indie worker, you want to make money and be successful, you have to go to WWE. I wonder if those are shots at AEW and why they would be shots at AEW. But I could just be reading into that as a, you know, AEW fanboy. Of course, I'm going to, are you talking shit about my company? Um, but she was, you know, she was talking shit about somebody, something, you know. She was clearly trying to put her stamp on a on WWE's the place to be, and I'm happy to be. You know, and they both said as much. You know, everything they did in wrestling was to work towards being in the WWE, and you know, they got such a shitty raw deal when Vince was in charge. You know, just breaking them up to begin with. And not even having Scarlet on TV. Jesus Christ, what are you thinking? Look at the girl. God damn. And, and But she matches so well with Carrion. Like, why would you even take that? Like, they're, they're the sexiest couple in the history of wrestling. You know, they're fucking... They're, they're great eye candy, both for men and women. They're, they're amazing chemistry together. She's a good like peace to his they, they just they're so good together like why would you split that up like they got such a raw deal their first go around here that you know um and really like as soon as triple h took over he knew it seems like this was one of the first moves that he made you know he couldn't bring him back before SummerSlam, but he already had you know i'm sure as soon as he took control of the wheel i'm sure one of the first phone calls he made was to carry him why not? Uh, he saw huge things with him in NXT. He got a raw, raw shake on the main roster. Now I think he's going to get a fair deal. And you know what? There's people that criticize Cross and, and think that he's you know more hype than he is actual substance. We'll see. Now it's sink or swim for them. But I think you know they're made for WWE act. Uh, especially, and I think they're just, I, I see just main event WrestleManias for years to come. Billy Corgan, the guy from the Smashing Pumpkins. Do we still call him that? Is he still the guy from the Smashing Pumpkins? Or has he earned our respect enough to be like the wrestling promoter guy? You know, when you think of Billy Corgan, do you see him as the wrestling promoter guy? The NWA guy, or is he still just the guy from that famous band that does the wrestling thing on the side? I think he's earned it. I think he's come along. I think he's been around long enough now. Uh, you know, certainly I've been familiar with him as a promoter for a while, working in the uh, you know the Michigan independent wrestling area. You know, he was a promoter in Chicago, so I was aware of him then. Uh, just being in the same region, and and you know him moving into the NWA. He's dead serious. He was on the NBC Sports uh, Boston podcast this week. They're huge wrestling fans up there. They always have wrestlers on the show. Uh, you know, they just recently had Eric Bischoff made some news out of there. You know, when I covered that, uh, who would win in a fight between Stephanie and Tony Khan? All that's coming out of NBC Sports Boston. It's a good show. Uh, they had Billy Corgan on talking about the NWA, talking about they got a big pay-per-view coming up, and uh, just talking with Billy all about like the future of the NWA and where he sees things going. And I loved that. You know, he seems to have a clear vision and dedication to that. He did say that he doubted it at first, uh, not at first, but when COVID hit, he kind of, you know, took a step back and was like, is this something I really want to continue with? Is this a passion of mine? 
Um, but, you know, he seems to have, you know, and he said as much that he kind of doubled down on it. He's like rededicated, you know, it's like when Kurt Angle takes the straps down and then he pulls them back up and then takes them down again kind of thing. You know, it's like I'm re rededicated. I'm, I'm back into it. You know, I always loved that little gimmick from Kurt. And that's that's what Billy Corgan's doing. He said, if I have to pump my own money into it to keep it alive, I will. But, uh, you know, he has a long term plan and he's looking to get it on TV and really create it as an alternative brand, you know, to the other brands. You know, he wants to be what wrestling is not currently. And uh, looking to draw in some of those laps fans is a good little plan. I like Billy. Uh, he seems to have a good vision. I don't like the NWA, but I support it. <laughs> it's a little bit boring for me. You know, he talks about also, you know, I like substance over, you know, presentation. You know, he's rather invest in better talents and better matches than in having a set that looks decent. But I, I don't know. It's a little dry to me, but I, I like, I got respect for Billy and I respect what he's doing. So, um, but he was also talking about contracts. You know, one of the things is he's had a lot of big guys that have left, or I should say men and women, you know, Thunder Rosa came from there. Ricky Starks came from there. Eddie Kingston came from there to AEW. And, you know, it seems to be uh, guys that are jumping over. And he was kind of asked, you know, how do you feel about maybe keeping some of these guys under contract? Or how do you feel about wrestling contracts? And his uh, reply was kind of surprising. Check out this clip. Like, is there an opportunity there to realize we need to lock down more people than letting them loose? No, I think it's kind of opposite. I think what you want to do is you want to be in business with people who are sort of balanced in the natural world. Look, for an Eddie Kingston, for a Ricky Starks, when those opportunities came knocking, I congratulated them both and said, you know, this that's the reason I brought you in, because you had that upside. And so I like to think, however small, I was part of their reformation or oh, yeah. putting them in a position where they could be seen and taken to the next level. And they've certainly, certainly done great at that next level. And none of that surprises me because I worked with those talents intimately. Um, I think you can find yourself in a situation and, and, and it's a bad analogy to make, but it's late in the evening. Uh, <laughs> you can kind of get whack-a-mole sometimes with contracts where you think because you have people under contract that somehow uh, you're going to sort of uh, in, engender a particular loyalty with those talents. That has not been the case in my time, both in TNA and uh, running the NWA. And it's wrong of me to assume that just because I have a contract, I would somebody would get that loyalty. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Of course. So it's, it, there are times where you need people under contract, and there are reasons for that. But when you're dealing particularly with veteran talent, I don't think I, I think a contract is worth about as much as the paper it's written on. Wrestling contracts are not worth the paper that they're printed on. Wow. That's that's such an interesting quote from him. And he's not even like worried about locking people down. It's like, who do I want to work with? Who wants to work with me? Um look, I think if you're getting if you have a TV contract, you need contracts. If you're running an indie promotion, which is really what the NWA is at this point, it's a bigger indie promotion. It's one of the bigger ones, you know, that and like an MLW uh, come come to mind right off the bat. You know, there's uh, 
wherever the Creator Pro has a promotion up in the Northeast. I forgot the name of that one. Uh, Game Changer, obviously, is out there. There's a lot of prominent indie feds, but they're indie feds still. But I think once you get to TV, like you can't, like an AEW or a WWE needs contracts. I don't even think an Impact Wrestling needs contracts. You know, uh, but you want to come to the negotiation table. You want your TV partners to know that you have these main event stars under contract, that they're not going to sign a TV deal with you and then find out that, you know, CM Punk and Brian Danielson can just go over to WWE tomorrow, that that's not going to happen. You know, you want to know that you have stars that you can build around. But I think when you're on the indie level like that, yeah, contracts are bullshit, man. A handshake deal. Do you want to work here or do you not want to work here? Because if you don't want to work here, you're not going to be, it's not going to be good anyway. It goes back to the CM Punk thing. You know, if you're going to be a cancer to the locker room, get the fuck out. We don't want you. Even if you bring the name value that you could bring a lot of eyeballs and a lot of talent or, you know, a lot of credibility to your roster, you also want a roster that's going to be happy to be there and you want that high locker room morale for the most part you know you want guys to come in be happy to be there and want to work hard and give you the best matches and help build the promotion and go out there and and build up the brand you know you hear like a lot of people shit on tyrus being in the nwa and being so prominently featured in the nwa oh he's talentless and blah blah, blah. and uh but i mean you got to look at the the guy from first of all he's been loyal as fuck to the nwa he's a guy that's basically he he he's on tv and shit he and, and he'll go out and he'll say he'll rep the nwa you know he is an nwa guy and he's that's important for Billy Corgan, you know. He's got that mainstream crossover appeal. He's a well-known personality outside of wrestling, and and that's why Corgan's using him. And he's happy to be a member, a flagship member of the NWA. And that's why he carries that goddamn belt around with him still, you know. <sighs> you know, Trevor Murdoch, though. Come on, come on. <laughs> You can you can come at me, bro, if you like. You know, if you're a big Trevor Murdoch, Mark. But Jesus Christ, you know some of the things the NWA does highly questionable. But then you know, like a Matt Cardona is gold. So I'm a big fan of what Billy's doing in principle. I'm not. I can't say I like the show, but I like that he exists in our wrestling world. I like what he's doing, and he's right. Wrestling contracts, uh, at least at that level, are worthless. You want to build a good team around you, and I think the NWA. He's got a good product there. He's got a good team working for him. They're not necessarily people that I want to watch yet, um, but I like that they're at least loyal to the product and seem to want to build around that brand, and that uh, he's kind of set it up to be easy to work with like that you know where you can get that exposure get the work uh be associated at a high level because look billy corgan is a big time player you know he's a mega mega star a, a multi-millionaire if not a billionaire at this point you know uh he's one of one of the biggest bands of all time ever at a time when music still made shit tons of money so He's a smart guy. And, you know, another thing I liked, too, is that, you know, just before I wrap it up here, is that he had also said in the interview that, uh, you know, I, I'm a talent. You know, people forget that I 
been a talent for 20 years, you know, or more. He's, you know, as a band member, he's signed contracts with big record labels and he's done the whole industry thing and he knows what it's like to be a talent and what talent wants and all that. So he's a good guy to have around the wrestling business and I, I expect to see bigger things from him going forward. He's going to grow that company and they're going to do very well and they rightfully should. That's it. That's all I got for you. That's all there is to it. I want to thank you for hanging out through another episode watching the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast or listening to the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. If you are on Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok, please look me up, like me, and follow me at Seth Grimes Media. You can interact with me there, you know, if you leave a comment or something, I'll comment back most likely. Um, but also just, you know, I post shorts there and, you know, you get samples of other stuff that I'm doing without having to dedicate a full, you know, 10 minutes or a half hour or however long the clip is. Um, you know, you can sample stuff over there and just, you know, I also post lots of other little random things that aren't going to quite make it into this podcast. So please check me out if you're on any of those platforms, just search me out and follow, like, subscribe at Seth Grimes Media. You can also do that down below on the YouTube subscribe button, please. And thank you. That way you'll at least be aware anytime I post things. Um, or more likely to be aware anyway. I don't know how the algorithm works exactly, but it'll keep you in the loop at the very least. So if you like anything that I'm doing and you might want to see some more in the future, uh, even if it's just casually, please throw me a subscribe. It helps me out greatly, whether you know it or not. You know, I'm trying to work my way up to that point where I can take this channel to the next level and monetize it. You know, you need a thousand subscribers and I'm just bottom barrel still. I don't have anywhere near that, not even halfway there. So let's, let's get that bumped up. Help me out. If you like the show, please do that for me. And, uh, I will continue to keep giving back to you as much as I can. I've been trying to do much more content. I'm also doing the reaction videos. Um, I do a wide variety of them. So I try not to, it's not just music videos or movies, though I do do a lot of, you know, I got the music videos, I got movie trailers, I got video game trailers, or I'll just react to random shit, like a cop setting a guy on fire with a taser, you know, like, uh, I just recently did one on the racist uh, Sesame Street puppet, you know, so I'm reacting to fun stuff. I try to do a little something for everybody. There's wrestling-related stuff. I do have an upcoming. Uh, it'll be posted. I already recorded it. It'll be up a little bit later, probably sometime next week, of uh, reacting to the, the AEW Fight Forever video game trailer. Um, I have one up now reacting to CM Punk's return. Uh, as uh, I record this, we are August 20th, and this is the one-year anniversary of CM Punk's uh, return at the first dance in the AEW. So I do have that up as well, just a reaction to that return. So I got a little bit of wrestling stuff in there for you too. Check that out if you could. I got a book out, The Gathering, A Bold Journey into the Belly of the Juggalo Underworld. It's just a fun story about a dude that goes to a music video 
or a music festival, music video, music festival, an insane clown posse music festival, does a bunch of drug, drugs, gets fucked up. There's lots of wrestling-related stuff in there, too, as uh, the Gathering of the Juggalos does have wrestling. So I include a lot of wrestling content into that. It's very, very wrestling-heavy, so a lot of references and shit like that. And finally, I have the Cryptomania NFTs, where I'm mashing up the pro wrestling's Top championship belts, the greatest, fanciest, most beautiful belts of all time with all the top cryptocurrencies like the WWE championship and the Bitcoin championship, which has the Bitcoin B and that looks like a dollar sign instead of the dollar signs on the million dollar title. So it's like a blinged out Bitcoin belt. It's great shit. Check it out. If you're into crypto and NFTs and stuff, you're just casually curious, go check that out. Other than that, folks, that's all I got for you. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend if you're watching this on the weekend or just whenever the fuck you do. I hope you have a great life and go fuck yourself. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.